This is a HeadGum Podcast. Hello, it's another episode of Enemies. I am Lisa Traeger, thrilled that you are listening. I am standing naked in a bathtub in London at a premiere inn. I think it's like a Holiday Inn Days Inn style. One person did judge me, but I'm in a sexy neighborhood. I think Kate Moss lives here. I just went to a chic London wedding. My friend is an events planner, so I guess I shouldn't have been surprised it was that incredible, but wow. I mean, it was in a decommissioned church, so huge, you know, ceilings and the lights matched the DJ. The DJ was incredible. The food, the cocktails, the company, I feel lucky in my life. And I hope you all feel lucky to have incredible friends that are talented and loving. And then you get to meet their friends and they're incredible. And yeah. Um, so hopefully you find little glimmers of joy in the people um, in your lives. I can't lie. I'm, I'm happy not to be in the States right now. The news is heartbreaking. And I hope that you're all finding places to feel joy. Um, I did no big deal. Have I already said this? I never remember what I'm saying. Also, when I go hello in the beginning, you think of Seinfeld, right? The episode with the belly button. I think that's the Allie Wentworth one. Anyways, I did get to meet the Finnish former president, Thadia something something. And she was just saying that, of course, you know, we should do what we can to help the world and the people around us, but to not forget that we deserve joy and a good life and to make sure we're having fun and not sacrificing that for other things. So even though we want to get involved and do a lot and change a lot and slit the throats of politicians and fucking burn the country to the ground, uh, make sure you are still, you know, using your privilege of being able to be happy and, and having that, do that. This is not diminishing the horrors of our world, but we can't just all be fucking depressed and living in the sadness that is our world reality. Um, so uh, it would be fucked up if I didn't mention it. I know what is happening, even though I'm on holiday. And, you know, I have another podcast about SVU and true crime, and I'm researching a horrific abuse case right now, too. And hey, God, what is this fucking experiment that we're all living in? Thank you for tuning in. <laughs> I don't even know. You don't even know how to go back and forth from reality and not reality. Uh, I'll do a minor, a minor enemy to lighten the mood. I would say the premiere ends internet. Go fuck yourself. But the customer service is incredible. It's like virgin internet. And someone answers within 30 seconds. Not even. Like, it goes, hi, this is the internet. And then someone answers there's an incident number like it is pretty incredible but the internet just goes in and out and in and out and it's like honey i'm trying to fall asleep to drag race what is happening um i keep telling them i'm working but i'm in a bathtub everything's fine um but it, it was frustrating the internet like every two minutes to ten minutes just like stops working and i paid for the ultimate i paid for it thank you very much Another um, enemy is the corner story or the bodega, if you will. I went to grab some snacks after the wedding. Don't be jealous. Don't be jealous of my boogie. Anyways, I've gone there almost every day that I've been here to get like water or a snack or something. And 
whatever. I love a little corner store charm once in a while, but go fuck yourself, you creep. I'm like alone and drunk. And he's like, are you single? And I lied. And I said, no, I'm not single. And then he said, oh, can't I just have one hug? Can I have a hug? Don't ask strangers for hugs. Don't ask drunk women alone for hugs. What You think I'm going to hug? What the fuck are you doing? That's more psychotic than like more aggressive threats. Like you're asking to hug me. I barely hug the people I love in my life and I'm going to hug you. Stand behind the counter and give me my fucking what's-its and haribos, you piece of shit. Another lighthearted enemy. Why does the world not love iced coffee the way I love iced coffee? Get it together. That's all I have here in terms of updates, weddings, fun, shows. I don't know. Life is good, I'm sure. Um, You're looking on the internet feeling jealous, but maybe not. Whatever. We're going to start this. I'm so excited for this episode. One of my favorites. I think I say this every week, but me and this guest had a great time. Chit, chat, chit, chit, chat, chat. Lots of drag chats, shit chats. I love his perspective on so many different things. They were just like insightful and funny and unique twisty points of view without trying so hard and just like made me think about a lot of things differently. So I feel very lucky to have had this guest. He has an incredible podcast with two of his friends called You Are Making It Worse. You're making it worse. I have been on. No big deal. He is also a a comedian, a drag queen. Check out Sadie Pines. I cannot wait to watch this person perform forever and continue to be a super fan and hopefully a social friend and hanger out or two. So I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I enjoy talking to this guest. H. Allen Scott. Clap, 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 clap. Enjoy. Hello. Hello. Yay. So happy. Hello. Will you turn your camera on or no? Oh, is it not on? Oh, no, I'm just looking at, at your Look connection. at me. Yeah. Look at me. <laughs> Look at me not even realizing my camera's not Oh my on. god, just as um we started Kara just texted me Willow. Yay. <laughs> she just watched I it. am controversial. <laughs> I am not a Willow stan. I love Willow, but I did not want Willow to win. I will say that right now. Who did you want to win? Camden. But did you feel with the performance and the turnout in the finale you can see why Camden nope. did not? No. No, I don't think that matters because that to me is a statement of non-drag people commenting on drag. And I would say that in as a drag performer, Hamden is, no matter what the finale revealed, is the most versatile of all of the top five queens that were available, had the best track record, and excelled at the most diverse amount of challenges. Thus, no matter what happened at the finale, makes her the ultimate winner. How did you feel about her doing the same gag, like doing the fall down again? Because I didn't like it. But then what you said, I'm not a drag performer. And then on the pit stop, Monet and Naomi were like, that's iconic to like reference. It is iconic because it's like, how iconic is it to reference yourself? That's amazing. That is like the most because you know that immediately whatever you did on Drag Race is immediately going to be you know, memeable, gifable, iconic, no matter. And the, and then you go on to then 
reference. It's very similar to what Monet did when she did the whole double wig reveal thing, where it was like she was known for these like pussycat wigs. She did the pussycat wig reveal. It was almost like she was making an iconic joke on herself. And that was also in the finale of her season as well. So it was like, to me, I thought it was incredible. And part of me is like, Drag Race has gotten too big that like now, like there are too many opinions in the room about drag. And it's like, you know, I don't know. I think Willow's great. I think Willow is great. I, I think Willow is something we have seen many times before. I, we all have, or you have. <laughs> I think we all have. I mean, I think we've seen it with Evie. I think we've seen it. We've seen it in a lot of different directions, and we've had a lot of winners like Willow. You have Sharon Needles. You have Evie. There's very big comparisons to even Alaska is a comparison to Willow. Um, but with Camden, we haven't really had a Camden since Jinx. And that's an interesting thing that I think we need more of in the world. Yeah, I honestly, like, last season I went in, Simone, Simone, Simone. Like, I really saw nothing else. And I didn't have any kind of strong feelings going into this. I was down yeah. for, I don't think I would have been upset. And I mean, I would have been upset <laughs> at some ways, but <laughs> I was open hearted. I was really not as yeah. um, hardcore this season of any oh, other. I was all cornbread. I was all cornbread all season. Well, that's I why like, I liked that Willow goes, thank you to your ankle. Of course, of course. And that, that, I mean, that's, and it's true. I think everyone recognized like Cornbread obviously would have won everything, but it's like the season was kind of, the season I think will go down as like a season seven as it will be not very memorable. I don't think it was a very good season. I don't think the cast was necessarily good. Agreed. And I think, um, correct me if I'm wrong, it was too young of a cast. Like, yeah, there was no, there was no elders in the room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very true. Very true. They were definitely too young. It was like, it was, it just, I I don't know. I feel like with drag, you have to like have at least like one or two like seasoned older or even just older queens just to give a different perspective. Absolutely. It was too young, but I love season seven. I, it, cause when I, I do too. I, yes, I, I got into too. drag race late. And what I heard was like, don't watch seven, seven's a snooze. And then I watched seven and I go, yeah. I'll watch Katya walking in like a little crab into the workroom <laughs> time and yeah. time again. And I don't know. I don't understand the hate. I feel like Violet was a nice bitch to give us someone to hate a little it. bit. You know, I just think that the season was like not made for those queens. You know what I mean? Like it was a heavy acting challenge season yes. and those queens were not acting queen. And it just and I think that's where the disconnect happens with season seven. That said, I love the queens of season seven. No, you're right. I love this insight because Trixie always does this or Jinx said this. Never mind. Of like, you're a fan of the TV show. You don't you're not an expert in drag. Yeah. And that's yeah. what I am. And I do know that I watch the show. I've not seen drag live a lot. So I am someone that just has. But that's what I love about my opinions like you is that show. like that, like the acknowledgement of that and then having the sort of open awareness of like, oh, we should talk to queer people who are in the drag space who maybe can give some insight into why this matters within Drag Race or why this matters within Drag Race. Because like, it seems like, especially on the online community, there's a lot of communication amongst people who don't really know the history of drag. Even going down to like the fact that early drag, like in America at least, like well, at least in modern early drag, is like fat dudes who never fit into the gay community in any capacity whatsoever. So they turn to drag, look at Divine, and become iconic and fierce and amazing. Do we see that on Drag Race? No, we don't. And it's like, 
there's a reason for that. And it's because so much of the, I think, I don't know, maybe casting or I don't know, so much of the direction has gone into like the opinions of people who don't do drag and like catering to those opinions. And I feel like early seasons of Drag Race definitely catered to like, well, we're going to make a show about drag queens. And it was for, it wasn't just for drag queens, but it was like about drag queens made kind of by drag queens. And, and I think we need more of that in a way. I think maybe we can get back to that. Well, that's why I like watching the pit stop. And then I watch Bob's, uh, Bob does like yeah. his recaps on purse. The purse first. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. cause I just, sometimes I'm like, this sucked. And then they'll be like, oh my God, I loved that. And I was like, oh, yeah. okay. So I didn't get this reference or that, or I just you get the perspective on it. Yeah. Or I didn't think it was yeah. impressive. And then you learn it is really hard or it is something very yeah. cool. I mean, I love that she, she gagged herself. Like she referenced herself, which is like such like a, baller badass like yeah i'm that bitch move you know what i mean yeah i'm iconic and guess what i'm gonna call back to myself yeah i saw it as lazy like when i watched it i was like oh really i want a surprise yeah. and then exactly exactly but it's like yeah no see it as like a, a, a message of sort of like i'm that bitch uh -uh, that's that really bitch. what it is yeah that's really what it is yeah, I also love, I missed the wheel and like the lip syncing and then Monet and Naomi were like, we love this finale of like having yeah. everyone have their show. And I go, oh, okay, I get that. I forgot about that. I've been waiting eight. for that since eight. I've been waiting for that for years. I have hated this whole like <laughs> spin wheel. The girls have to like sing to whatever song they're told or whatever. And it's like, no, I don't go to a drag show and see you know, drag queens put on the spot to lip sync certain songs. When do you ever see that? It, unless it's like a theme show for that. No, you go to a drag show to see an artist or a performer put, because I hate, I mean, I don't even call myself an artist. Like I'm a performer, <laughs> like putting on a show that like I've created. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I, I created the bits in this lip sync because like, I think they're funny or cool or fierce or whatever it is. And I put together a performance for you, the audience. And that's what drag queens do. That's what drag artists do in general is they do that. They don't randomly be like, okay, now I guess I'm going to lip sync to share because the bar told me to. Like, no, that never happens. Yeah, and I feel the fans also dictate that people are scared to do the drama or get the hate or there did used yeah. to be a level of like not yeah these people are threatening death on these queens and like it mm -hmm. sucks that in the back of their head they have to think about what they're gonna say because my next question was gonna be and what i love about drag and when i try to get people into drag race was you they call each other out and they solve problems yeah. quickly and it's like who said that i said that you suck and your makeup sucks yeah. and it's like fine okay and then the next day they're <laughs> friends and comedy sometimes but not like drag performers and it's an I element that, i appreciate admire and like to watch i think the whole fear of like the online repercussions and cancel culture and all of that comes from like the youth of a lot of the contestants especially this season and that I mean, I think we all fear being canceled, of course. Like, you, you, don't, you don't ever want to do something that's going to make or hurt someone who's in the feeling. Like, you never want to do that. But as someone who has been performing for a number of years and understands that you can piss people off very easily, but that it's often not a reflection of you, it is a reflection of them. And so you learn to just 
say what you need to say, commit to the performance and what will come will come, but that is not up to you. That is, you are only there to do you. And you stop. I mean, I think, I mean, and you can relate to this too. Like just even doesn't stand up. Like, yeah, you want to say smart things and be smart about it, but you also don't want to be stifled into what you're saying. And you just, you don't want to be worrying about how someone's going to react to what you're saying 10 years from now. No, you just, you just say the joke. You just say the goddamn joke. And, and it's the same sometimes with- you see the audiences, they just like, it's a buzzword that shuts them down and it's not even the yeah. bit. And it's like a yeah. bit that works and is funny, but they hear one word that's like, wait, I don't like this. And it's like, you could just read that they are not listening to the words, but are being like, yeah, shutting down because of what they <laughs> think is appropriate or not versus just like exactly. being in the moment. And I think someone who's a bit older recognizes okay that person's reaction is based on them not fully listening or perhaps our perspectives are very different and i can agree that okay you have a point sure but we're different people and i have a different take and i'm not going to be scared of your take just because you have a large following or whatever i'm going to do i think bianca is a perfect example for me of someone who like she won she was a bit older when she won She said a lot of complicated things over the years, and I'm sure some things she maybe regrets saying, but it's like, that's not stopped her career. No one's canceled Bianca. Why? Because Bianca is smart enough to, A, stand by her work, but also, like, acknowledge maybe when she's wrong, but at the same time, also be wrong and not be like, but I'm not going anywhere. I'm still going to do what I do. Sure, I'm sorry I hurt your feelings, and I hear your point of view, but also, like, I'm still going to do me. And I like that she's also able to say, I wouldn't have won now. Like the game has changed where I would not have won now. And I like that too. Like she was perfect in her time. I like that. And that also makes me sad. But I like that. It makes me very sad though. I know. Do you think they're going to come back to like throw back to the old vibes or it's just too far gone at this point? No, I think that's what's great about Drag Race is like nothing is ever set in stone. You know what I mean? Like nothing has ever like, like Drag Race has had so many iterations and it's changed so many moods over the years that it's like, and that's the same thing with drag too, is that like the things we do in drag come and go and change and that's, there's the ebbs and flows of drag always. And so like Drag Race is capable of changing in different and awesome ways. And that is what makes the show so exciting and keeps it on every year. I think is that like drag changes. So we change with it and, like, you know, I was doing thick eyebrows a year ago and now I'm doing thin. I'm versatile. I evolve. <laughs> but going back to like, who is the one? Utica is the one to me is like encapsulates a generation after us where yeah. you have RuPaul, a black queer mm-hmm. person telling you like, you can wear a fro. It's a white fro. You yeah. wear- and it's like, I can't, I can't. Oh, I don't know. You have Simone, a black person telling you. Um, mm-hmm. you can wear this outfit for a BAPS. Like, stop denying yeah. it. I'm right here telling you. Let's do this. Yeah. And you have Utica not listening to these black people telling her it's okay. And, and that's it. Not listening. Not listening and being like, no, it's yeah. offensive. It's offensive. And it's like, it's offensive to who? Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, I think it's perfectly within our realm of of understanding of being open, asking the question, oh, should I is this maybe something I shouldn't do? And and asking people and having open communications with different types of people from different marginalized backgrounds and just situations and walks of life and having that full conversation while at the same time not being like, not shutting it down by like not listening. Like that's lame. Like why wouldn't, 
if 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 all of these people are saying, no, you're fine, you're fine, it's fine. Well, then I'm not going to get in my own dumb head about what a bunch of like other people are going to get pissed off about. No, okay, I'm going to listen to the, my community and the people who are with me right now saying that it's fine. And I'm going to lean into this. And you know what? If in 10 years time, it turns out not to be so fine, because that does happen. Like, you know, you you have language and things evolve. And like what we did 10 years ago was thought of as maybe fine is not so fine now. And we can say, you know, that probably wasn't fine then, even though everyone said it was fine. And I'm not like a horrible person for thinking it was fine then. But now I know it wasn't fine. And let's move on. Yeah. I'm trying to think if there's any more drag race specific moments to <laughs> kind of talk about in terms of I am here. I was not expecting to talk about drag race, I, but I know we have to talk about drag well, race. So what I was really happy about is that I got a DM, you know, it was like I need to come on and I didn't really ask another question. I went, Absolutely, let's do that. And so I'm open. We're gonna do a couple voicemails and give advice, but overall okay. I'm like Speaker truth. What do you, what well, what made you be like? Put me on. We got to do this. Well, because I love you. Oh, first thanks. off, <laughs> thank and, you. And but also, what I love about you is that you and I have a very similar approach to I think communication in terms of like how you and I connect on things. You know what I mean? Mainly, we like to bitch, and and I I bitch very well, and I I think because of that, I have enemies for that reason because of the way that I do bitch sometimes not like bad enemies but like you know like people who don't like me and are very vocal about not liking me because of some things that i bitch about well i've recently um started performing at the comedy store like since i've moved here mm. and a couple of my friends there have been like damn i heard you were such a bitch and you're so nice like you've been nothing but nice since you've been here yes. and all these like all these people there are like you're fucking great like all we hear on these podcasts are like people are always trying to argue and they fuck like i've heard you're a bitch and i had to say I'm sure that's that person's experience with me. I can't fully yeah. say that I'm never a bitch to people, but I think they deserve it. <laughs> um, yeah. And I wouldn't be a and bitch that's what I love about because, but I, a lot of people were shocked at enjoying my company because they were yeah. warned that they would not. Yeah. And that is what I love about you and I is that it's like we, we have this ability to sort of like, so if someone calls us a bitch and doesn't like us, it's not good, but we also acknowledge like, well, that's probably their experience. That's what they do. That's, that's on them. That's not on me. And if they think I'm a bitch, then okay, cool. Has I mean, it what ever can I do? been on you though? Have you, have, I mean, I'm sure you have gone and apologized or with time been like, Oh, oh yeah. honestly, it was me. My bad. Oh yeah. Oh, totally. I mean, for lots of things for, or, I mean, just in general, personal things, of course, in everyday life, but also like, you know, like, things on podcasts and like jokes that don't come out right. And that things and jokes that I said back, you know, whenever that now I'm like, nah, I've evolved from that. Like, that's not necessarily what I think right now. I don't, I don't think I should not. I don't think the joke shouldn't exist. Like it was, it was funny, but it's also like, eh, my bad, probably not the coolest thing. I acknowledge it was bad and I'm sorry. And you move on. And like, yes, but I definitely, I definitely have had that in my life. <laughs> sometimes i see people's reactions and i go well i hope you never make a mistake and everyone you know what i yeah. mean i hope you never fuck yeah. up because you really set yourself up to be a hypocrite because also there's <laughs> there's the element of like i notice on comments or reactions to podcasts or like i do this golden girls podcast right and 
you know, I it's me and then a, another person who she's a straight woman and she's she's, you know, very direct in her her thoughts and everything. And I think her and I are great friends and we communicate really well. But because of the way I talk and because of how open I am and how flamboyant I am, I find a lot of times that if there is someone who, or even on your making it worse, which you've done before, yes. I do with Elliot and Brent. Elliot and Brent and I are three very different. We're all best friends, but we're three very different people. And Elliot is more like middle of the road. Like, you know, he's not he's not crazy flamboyant. He's not flamboyant as me, obviously. But like Brent is like very much like straight passing. Like you could you could definitely mistake him for a straight dude sometimes. And so the, a lot of the hate comments that we get on the show come at me only. And I don't think it's because of who I am or what I say. I think it's exclusively because I'm more flamboyant and I'm more excitable and I'm more whatever. And so people tend to want to come after me because all, all the comments are never like something I've said or something I've done. It's always just like, I'm obnoxious or I'm loud or I'm, you know, all of these things. And I get that like, oh, it's not about me. That's all on their weird sort of like, you know, obsession with people talking a certain way or gay men acting a certain way or men communicating a certain way. And it's like, nah, I'm just going to do me. Yeah, it's also weird to be like, you're loud in this and have too many opinions on your own podcast that you are talking yeah. about. Like, why wouldn't you I be know. loud and obnoxious on your own show? Thank you. That's what I say all the time. It's like, you know, it's, it's so funny because like people... You know, they'll they'll get off on Elliot a little bit because, you know, a lot of people, you know, they love him from Broad City, of course. And and, and he's very direct in what he says. And Brent is also very direct in what he says. But he, he and I offer differing opinions on things. And I tend to be more loud about things or I get more excitable or more open with certain things. And I saw because of that, I think maybe sometimes I don't fit like the type that they want. Or I don't fit that gay role that they want, you know, I that do mask know. sort of role. Well, also like with um, especially girls, <laughs> like, yeah, um, a lot of people just hate the sound of women's voices. And yes. so it's not particular to this podcast or like the one I do with Kara or any thing where women are speaking. If you go look at the comments, it's ugh, her voice, her voice. I can't listen yeah. to her voice. If I'm a guest on some dude's podcast, it's always like this Valley girl, vocal fry, shut the fuck up. Like they don't want to hear women's voices or it's like they've yeah. sound annoying and it's like, okay, well, what do you want me to do about it? But this is how I sound. And there's nothing. You I also go fuck yourself. You also fucking know that those pieces of shit with limp dicks are out there listening to like, you know, Mark Marin and Joe Rogan and those assholes who frankly have annoying fucking voices. And, and are loud and yeah, obnoxious. And are loud and obnoxious. So go fuck them. Go jerk off in a cup because that's all the action you're going to get. I'm sorry. Can I get that crude? Yeah. Every, <laughs> everything. My big thing right now, and I've talked to other um, girl comics about it is, Fuck Joe Rogan for not talking about abortion. You're in Texas enjoying not paying yes. fucking taxes. You're in a state that is responsible for uh, it's going to be women's lives. And yeah. you 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 pretend you care about freedom and society and abortion is coming to a literal Roe v. Wade is coming to an end and yeah. not a fucking peep. Yet he talks about how he has so many different perspectives on his podcast and not and not once has mentioned abortion on that show. Not once. Also, for me, what's always fun for podcasts like that, I look at that, I look at um, 
what's that one? Who's that? Who's the who's the singer from Frozen or the woman from Frozen? Not Elsa, but the Idina Menzel. No, Kristen Bell. Is it Kristen Bell? Yeah, yeah Kristen the blonde, Bell. The blonde superstar who's so famous. <laughs> yeah, she's huge. Yes, yeah, um, you hate and, her. And her husband. No, oh, I don't hate her. Dax I don't hate her. Dax Shepard. And I look at Dax Shepard's podcast and I look at his guests, right? And and same with Joe Rogan and a lot of these sort of... And I nothing against that. I'm sure for the lovely people. Um, but I look at the guest list and I often am like, how many white dudes, straight white dudes, can you fit into like a two month time frame of guests. I'm not a scientist. I don't add things. I use my phone's calculator all the time, so I don't know what I'm doing. But if I had to throw a percentage out, I would say of all the guests, 80% are straight white dudes over a two month time frame, And it blows me away that they can live in a world where it's only people like them. Of course they have some diverse guests, but it's like, how can you exist in a bubble where it's only people almost carbon copies of you that you have on as guests like and and no one called you out for it it blows me away yeah it is it's appalling and it happens often i was recently doing like a big fest and it was brought to the attention of the booker that it was all white men on this lineup and he responded well i don't think about that i'm just putting a good show together and to me, in my head, it's like... And you're not putting a good show No, together. Yeah, like, why do you assume yeah. having any sort of diversity would make it worse? It seems like it makes it better. But also, yeah. that's all I think about. And he goes, yeah. well, I shouldn't have to. I go, it's not about have to. That is just what I'm always thinking about. I'm always looking yeah. at things of, like, I want all different people constantly. And that is my top priority. And it makes nothing worse. It actually makes everything better. In his brain, it's like, I'm he just worried about making this show. But it's like... I don't know. I, I actually just Saturday did a show and it was all white people. And yeah. I didn't really fully notice at first. And then my friend who came to the show went, there wasn't one black person on that lineup. And there are black people it in the audience. On. And it's like, of course, do you not see it? Do you not care? Was it an over? Like, I just don't get it. I really don't get it. Cause I, I do think about it all the time. It still goes on and it blows me away that like, cause you're exactly right. They see it as work. They see it as like, Oh, I have to do extra work to, either book diverse people or and sometimes and it is say, sometimes well, it and is. sometimes it is but, but it's also like maybe maybe it's maybe putting on a good show should be about having different perspectives and different types of people to communicate or that you value that your community and you do the work you put in the work to have sort of a different perspective and you you try to be open to people being like hey i noticed that like it's all white people on the show. Like, here's some great comics that I love that you should have on the show. Or like, you offer this and be open to that instead of immediately being like, why should I have to? It's extra work. But because of course they're getting defensive on like, you know, someone's calling them out for something. And it's like, well, no, we're just acknowledging like that this is weird and this doesn't reflect the community that I come from or that I value or that I try to surround myself with. And and even in like drag shows, like, you know, I do a lot, I host, I produce a lot of drag shows with a good friend of mine, Godoy, who's a great local drag queen. And we put a lot of work into sort of like having different types of queens on the show, different type of drag people on the show in general, just to, not for any political reason or any statement, we just want that. We just want that to be representative of who we are. That should be a good thing people should be working towards that i don't get it, it well it blows also me away. you said something and it kind of hits the nail where it's like 
it's who I surround myself by and they do not surround themselves with people yeah. different than them. So yeah. to them, it is so much extra work because yeah, they're only friends with people that look like them. That is, it, that is their small world. And I don't, I don't get it. I feel like, and it's not just a straight problem. It's a, it's a queer problem too. A lot of queer spaces, a lot of queer shows have this problem. I mean, I remember when I was part of the reason why I kind of stopped doing stand up as a boy um, was because I hated the world of stand up in a lot of ways. I hated that world of sort of like straight bookers having those kind of reactions and reacting like, I mean, I remember days in New York where like bookers wouldn't even like shake my hand or acknowledge my presence. Even if I did, if even if I was able to squirm my way into an opening bit or like doing something and I just got over it. And so I went into the drag world, but even in like drag, it's like, there are still shows where it's like, what is this lineup? Like, why, why is this like this? Like, so it's not just straight people have a lot of work to do. I think a lot of queer people have a lot of work to do to truly make shows diverse. Well, and it's like this, it's like, and then one of these white people says something fucked up and then all the people defending them are white. And it's like, you just told on yourself. Like you have yeah. no one in your life that looks different than you. Cause I had a racist Twitter debacle. I had bad tweets. Mm. I did it, it. You know, it is what yeah. it is. And at the end of the day, the people that were defending me and calling me were not white. And that meant everything yeah. to me because I went, oh, yeah, my mm. my world is colorful and I'm going to just focus on that and yeah. remember that. And obviously humiliated by what <laughs> my tweets like they're they're bad. Of course. They're bad. But when I see other people comparing me to other people, I go, yeah, but look at who's defending them. <laughs> I'm like, it is yeah. all white people so it's like their world is super white so how do you say that you're not racist or you're not these things when there's no one around you that isn't like you well and also just like even and this is what i mean and by i like fuck like up having, all the time with all these people like thank god i yeah. have all these people that are different than me to be like you're crazy you can't you know like that's not right yeah. or, this is why it's wrong and then suddenly i become a smarter better person not that i'm using my friends for that but like I always get annoyed when it's like all your openers are white. You're you're a show of white people, and then you're bringing white openers, and it's all dudes, and there's not a girl, and it's like there is no issue with it at all, at all. And I always think about Beyonce's yeah. live Coachella, where she was able to get all black, like tuba and brass players and flute, you know, flautists yeah. or whatever. And you're saying these people don't <laughs> exist, but she was able to find hundreds of them. So what yeah. are you talking about? I mean, I think that's just it is that like when you were talking about your old bad tweets, it's like to be white in America, I feel like we we have to atone for a lot of even the the passable bad things that we've done, the things that were once OK or not OK or whatever, or the feelings because it's it's OK to be wrong and to have done bad things and to evolve. And then for you to like say like, oh, well, I mean, look at the people who are supporting you. Sure. But also at the same time, you put in the hard work to like make sure that you do have a diverse community or that you are trying to hear different points of view or different walks of life or, or respect that and try to amplify those voices in your own life to be able to say, this is my community. This is what I stand by. And I mean, I think I feel like I've had the same thing in, in terms of some things that even I've done in the past where different articles that I like back in the day when like everyone had to have like a think piece on an article on some dumb website like Thought Catalog, which I wrote for, which I wrote a lot of shitty things. I, I hate. was obsessed with thought catalog. Oh my god. I fucking hate. I mean it it was good money and they they encouraged really voicey chatty, you know, blog things and I was I mean I wasn't even young. I was like, you know, 
just hungry from I was hungry. I was literally poor. <laughs> so I would write, I would write things. And I mean, I would write them thinking like as a comedian, like, oh, I'm writing something funny or I'm writing a response or reaction piece to something. And and then I look back at some of the things that I've written and I'm just like, oh, I hate myself. I hate that person. I hate, I'm embarrassed for myself. Even certain thoughts that I had are like things like, you know, talking about cultural issues that like I had no, again, and this is another thing, recognizing, oh, I have no place in a conversation and then taking, like, I do think sometimes it is not the place of people to talk. Like it is, you should not talk about everything or have a response, even comedians. Maybe you shouldn't joke about everything. Like maybe you should just shut the fuck up and listen to other people for once. And that is something that as I've gotten older, I've realized too, oh, my opinion is not special. I am not special. I do not need to comment on everything. I'm going to shut the fuck up. And that is okay. And it's not like you're telling people, oh, you're canceled or I'm, I'm taking away your free speech. No, fuck you. You just don't have that learned experience. So you don't deserve to be in that communication or that conversation. So shut the fuck up. Yeah, just listen. And then if you actually brought people that were not like you and with an open mind to discuss it with them, then you could know these things and then you could be a part of the discussion. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or even if you're not welcome to the discussion, maybe just shut the fuck up and listen. That's a part. Being a part of a a conversation is also about listening. And so like, you don't have to engage to have a conversation necessarily. You can like, just listen to a conversation being had and maybe retweet someone saying something awesome how about that or no you want the likes you want the retweets so you got to say it yourself no fuck you just retweet the person who deserves to have the conversation and amplify that that is very good yeah it's okay to be wrong like it is i think that's what we forget like we're all so scared to quote unquote be canceled but it's like no it's actually okay to admit that you were wrong but then yeah, people don't believe a- you. That's what happens. Because I was like truly well, ashamed and sorry. But then, yeah. you, then the comments are like, oh, you're doing this for this reason. You're not really sorry, you this bitch. So then I, it's like, oh, I also can't control what people think about me. If you don't think I'm actually yeah. sorry, there is nothing I can do. So that kind of sucked too. Where, uh, P- exactly. Yeah, if you're being sincere, but people might not think you are at all. And that kind of, that was a bummer. But I also feel like, you know, if you're put in that situation, which, you know, I think we all have at least any professional comedian or person who is doing anything in entertainment has kind of been in that position where people don't believe you when you say something or don't think you're doing it for genuine reasons. You quickly sort of realize, like, like you said, that's not on you. That's not, that has nothing to do with you. You can't you can't force everyone to be in your own boat and like believe you and to to recognize, OK, well, like, for example, Someone left some comment, some stupid comment about the Golden Girls podcast about me being annoying and talking about something. And God, he's just the worst. He's the worst. And so I replied to it, of course, being an asshole. And I was like, I know H. Allen just sucks. He should die. And (laughs) and then the person wrote back being like, oh, my God, I never thought you would see my tweet. And that's just it you humanize it. You make a point of just being like, I reckon, and, and she even DM me and she was sweet. And I, I don't, you know, I don't give a fuck. Like you can say what you want, but it's like, she was like, I'm really, really sorry. I was like, it's fine. It's I've heard it all. Literally. I get why you even do it. You don't have to explain anything to me. It is fine. But also just know the things we say, people read, you see it. And I'm strong enough to not be taken down by it. But like, 
if you humanize it a little bit, maybe once in a while people get a little scared of you. Yeah. And that's okay. There was an Andy Cohen thing where someone was like, you're a terrible parent and this and that. And he wrote something and then it's the same of like, I didn't think you'd ever see it. And it's like, yeah, yeah, this is my social media. It's a place that I enjoy coming and I want to look at everyone and my friends and what they're up to and yeah. like all my friends, cool shit. And now you've like ruined my day with this thing that you, if you didn't think I would see it, why are you? What, I mean, everyone's in pain. We're all yeah. just... But I do yeah. have a question about <laughs> yes, doing a I'm podcast, here. a show with your friends. How do you deal mm-hmm. with conflict that's professional? How do you not have it seep into the friendship? And it's so intertwined. Ooh, I have a podcast oh. that I run with a very close friend. And, yes. you know, it's nice. We we squash beef very quickly. Um, and maybe some of our listeners would like to believe we never spat, but we do. You know, how do you deal with that? I've definitely had spats with close friends I work with, you know, a lot because I think I almost exclusively work with close friends. Um, that said, I we do squash it pretty fast. And I think part of it is like we don't take anything too seriously. You know what I mean? That's like I think that's the best thing about being a comedian is that we all think we're pieces of shit. And 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 yet we also all think we're so special. And so if we can step back and recognize that like any fight that we have is like just our egos half the time, like it, it really is just our egos half the time speaking. And if you take a step back and you recognize, okay, okay. Or, or even worse, like if someone does something that's just grating at you and you're just like, you don't agree with it or whatever, but it's also not big enough for you to like want to turn it into a thing that then's going to be an exhaustive text chain tomorrow that you just don't have time for because you really got to catch up on Real Housewives of New Jersey. Well, then I'm not going to do it. I'm just not going to, I'm just going to let it sit and like they can keep saying the thing that they do or do the thing that they do because I really just want to watch TV in peace. Wait, like that. <laughs> but how do you stop it? For me, it turns into resentment. And then I, oh. I look at everything through that lens of what I'm mad at. So if I think this thing now, everything you do, I am picking you apart to find yeah. evidence to uh, fulfill what I think about you already. So I have to get things out and talk about it or it will seep and become more disastrous for me. See, I- I don't, I don't have, I don't have the need to talk about about everything only because I used to, I feel like I used to, um, but I, and I mean, people, people make fun of me if they're listening from like, you're making it worse because I get made fun of for this a lot. But I think having cancer and chemo helped me recognize that I don't have to have resolution for everything because sometimes resolution doesn't make sense. And it's okay. It's okay for things just to fizzle away. And some things don't make sense. And I'm okay with not understanding why they are the way they are or someone reacts the way they do. I don't need a diagnosis of why they said the thing that they said or why they're doing the thing that they're doing. It's just like, okay, today's the day. Tomorrow it'll be gone. Like today I'll I'll stew on it. Tomorrow it's gone. And I really... That's really how I think it is sort of like how I approach things because like, I feel like things have been thrown in my face that are like big, you know, like life shit and people dying and like, you know, cancer shit. And it's just like things, sometimes things don't make sense and I don't need them to make sense if, if it's not going to impact my life or it's not going to impact my life in a bad way. If I can move on from it and not have it like it's not going to ruin my life, then I don't need to have a conversation about it. 
Wow. And for you, as there are parts of your personality or behavior that are very much like pre and post chemo and cancer. Oh, like completely. Yeah, okay. 1000%. I mean, pre chemo, I said yes to everything. I had so many friends. I was always busy. I was in New York. I was doing three shows a night. And then I was hanging out and getting drunk with everyone and doing drugs and having a great time. I mean, I was having a great time. But I was also like, mentally and physically exhausted to the point where like I was not being me you know what I mean I was putting on a show of who I thought I was supposed to be because that was going to get me my next thing like doing these obsessive amount of shows and having this obsessive amount of friends and network and contacts was going to get me staffed on a tv show plain and simple or get me to somewhere in my career that I needed to get to and then when cancer and chemo hit and it was just like wow everyone sucks like literally everyone sucks and so many people are a waste of time for me there's so much life that i'm not living because i'm wasting so much time trying to get to a life that i think i'm supposed to be living at that point i just kind of stopped returning calls and stopped returning texts from people for like three years after chemo until people just fizzled away and i focused on a core group of people and that was just what I did. I stopped doing shows and I stopped performing regularly and I stopped doing stand-up in the way that I thought I was supposed to be doing stand-up or performing in the way I thought I was supposed to be performing because it was going to get me another job. And instead I was like going to do riskier things and do something that made me feel better about myself, like drag, other than doing a stand-up show that, yeah, it's going to make me feel good and I know how to do it and I think I'm okay at it. I think I'm pretty good at it. But like, does it make me feel great? Does it make me feel like I want to do it every single night? No, because some nights I want to do drag and other nights I want to do a storytelling show and other nights I just want to stay home. And it's like, I don't want to have to chase, you know? And so my personality definitely changed post chemo and the way I look at life completely changed. Well, yeah, doing the things that fu like fulfill you versus what you said, like the chase to something. Yeah, because I felt like I was doing stand up in a way that was like very straight male, like... You know, you do the rooms, you put in the tie, you like do the road, you do the things you're supposed to do to then get to that next step. And I was always just like, I hate all of you. That's <laughs> not how I work. That's not how I live. That's not how I want to live my life. You know, I want to be a multi hyphenated person and I want to do lots of things and I want to have people not understand what I'm doing. And it might not be marketable, but at least it makes me happy. Were there any people in your life during that time period that you were surprised by how they showed up for you or the opposite, like certain people that you were like, oh, damn, this is less real than I thought of a relationship? Oh, yeah. There were people who would show up to chemo and just take pictures with me for social media. And it was just like it was one of those moments. That just gave me like, shivers. Oh, like that's. Yeah. And I was like, I thought you were like a real friend. Like I, there were some people that I legitimately thought were real friends and they just wanted, it just felt like they just wanted like Instagram likes from like a pity post in a way. I always made jokes like during my standup of those days, but being like, I hated the word survivor because like, you know, a, I'm not about to win a million dollars on a TV show. So that's bullshit. And B like, what am I surviving? Like we're all surviving. Like, I don't know what I'm, I'm just trying to like get through today basically <laughs> like fuck this whole survivor shit and it was all like kumbaya -y for me that i didn't really understand and people would come in and like do these social media posts that were like 
that fed into that kumbaya sort of like tone that I hated so much. And so those friendships were really gross. On the flip side of it, though, there were some friendships that I was surprised by because they just became more normal. Do you know what I mean? Like friendships. There's one with Michelle Buteau. That's one that definitely stands out where we were stand-up friends, of course. And like, we had done a lot of stand-up together and I've known her for years and years and years. She would like pick me up from chemo when she was in town and we would just go like have food or something or like have a drink. And it would just be the most normal thing in the world. And I was just like, oh, we don't have to talk about comedy and we don't have to like, I don't have to be this sort of like, what's your next show or what are you working on next? Or what do you, I don't have to do any of that, you know? It's the same with Elliot and Brent and all of them. It just sort of became this sort of like, oh, this is my community. These are my core people that will be with me for every step of every iteration of everything, both life and professional. And and those kind of things, those friendships definitely became stronger post-chemo. Yeah. Damn. All right. I made it heavy. No, to me, like, <laughs> I... I was raised, and it's not like my parents are right about everything at all, but like, we don't take photos in hospitals. We do not take photos of sickness. Mm. Like, it's very like Soviet style. It's very hidden. The thought of someone using like this hard journey of yours or this illness and like shit that sucks for a reason really kind of i guess it sickened me in a way i wasn't anticipating hearing i get that i totally get that but i also to put it into perspective like this past weekend i was just in chicago just got back you know today um from golden girls or golden con it was like a golden girls convention and it was ridiculous and i was in drag all weekend and it was so fun and my boyfriend and i went to the bean which is like you know this big thing in the center yes. of Chicago. it's like the sculpture thing you know, i you love know well. the bean because yes. um, um, i'm just explaining it oh yeah like some touristy stuff is like people are like oh that's touristy but then some things are awesome and they're touristy for a reason and i think the bean is awesome it's like yeah, something I, I really enjoy oh i love a touristy thing i i will never not love a touristy thing at all like it's just so much fun but we were there and it's this it's this big touristy thing in millennium park in chicago and we went to take a picture which you can check out on my instagram sadie pines but in the process of taking the picture one of the things that i realized was i never had i had never experienced before so here i am this i'm six foot three six foot four drag like i'm massive the hair is mad i'm probably six foot five actually with the hair even and so I'm this massive, I'm wearing a golden dress. I look insane in a sea of tourists because they're not expecting this massive drag queen to come in and do this. I walk through and I get this mixture of people laughing at me, calling me faggot, and also people being genuinely excited to see me and wanting pictures. And they're interested and they're fascinated by who I am, and what I'm doing and how I exist in the world. And it was this juxtaposition of, people wanting something to to sort of make sense in their own head about what they're seeing and they either want to be a part of the show or they're too scared to be a part of the show and to have fun and just embrace life in a weird way and so they have to call you faggot or they have to say something and even for some of the people who took pictures with me i get some of them probably took a picture with me because i they think i was a freak show they thought i was a freak show and they wanted a documentation of me as the freak show and it didn't bother me because in a weird way i was just like 
well, take the picture, have it. I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not ashamed of me. You know, I'm not ashamed of the situation I'm in or who I am or why I'm here or why you think I'm here or any of it. And so like, even with the people who came to chemo and took a picture with me, it's like, well, hopefully they got what they needed out of that. I am fine on my end. And I recognize that their intentions don't align with how I see myself and how I live in my world with my community. And that's okay. It doesn't mean they're bad people. It's just their intentions are very different from mine. And it's the same with the people taking pictures with me in the Millennium Park as a drag queen. It's like, just they maybe just wanted to make fun of me. But instead it was like, I still am getting more likes than you. <laughs> like I still, I still am living, a, in my opinion, a better life than you. And I feel good about that. And I wish you could be along for this ride too, but you can't. And that's fine. Yeah, no, it's very evolved. And I always say like the people that are hateful towards others who are living their truest selves just aren't living as true selves. So they don't understand it. Of yeah. course, they're mad at sucks. you because they're living a lie. So to them, it's like, how do you get to do what you want to do and be okay with wearing a yeah. dress in the streets? Like they just, you know, <laughs> I don't know. That's what they, you know, being self-actualized is like, tr you know, living the life as true to yourself as possible. That is very yeah. hard to and do. And I will tell you so people another. People don't like that if you can do it. They don't like it. And I will tell you another true thing that happened was as we were walking in Millennium Park, I kept telling Michael, who's my boyfriend, I kept asking him, like, is there something on my ass? Is there something happening? Because I felt something felt weird back there. But when you're in drag, you have so many layers on that, like, you don't know where the weird feeling is coming from, where it's starting and ending sometimes because you can't. With the padding and everything, you can't feel parts of your body in that way or because they're numb. And I had no idea what was going on in my ass, but something was going on in my mask. He looked and there was nothing going on. Then we get back to the hotel and I start de-dragging and he sees that my, my under layer of tights had started shifting below my fishnets. So it just sort of looked like I had this like droopy, tight, poopy putt, poopy butt situation happening. I'll send you a picture. It's really funny. Um, but that was... That was my truth then. It is such an uncomfortable art. Like, I really don't. Un I, that's just <laughs> like, I mean, that's why stand up for me works. You don't need to pack a guitar. You don't need a. you don't need to pack anything. Honestly, if I if yeah. I decided not to wear makeup, I really don't have to. I've gone on stage with sweatshirts on like it is so simple. And then when you see drag, it's like, are you fucking kidding me with this luggage and the process? What? And it is like you you obviously love it. But for as an yeah, as someone that cannot imagine being so constricted in a costume it's like wild it's a wild thing i was be a part of. i was telling elliot elliot and michael this weekend at the golden girls thing one of the best things about drag for me is like when you are in a space where like you're welcomed and people want that you know what i mean like if they're, if they're there for a drag thing and as you're walking between the green room and the next thing or like you're going from the front to get your car or whatever you're doing the, the look on people's faces when they they don't know who you are, they don't know anything about you really, but they just see you in drag and they smile. And it's like, you know, for like a split second, you just made someone's fucking day. You know what I mean? Like you made someone genuinely happy without having to do anything other than look the way you do. It's a wonderful feeling. It really is just to see that smile. It's just, it's like getting a laugh. It's like stand up for me. You know, you, it's, it's the same sort of feeling you get from getting a laugh. It's like, it's addictive and it's nice. And it feels like you're doing something good for the world. 
Absolutely. This might be off. Uh, well, we might edit this or not. But do you know Stan Zimmerman? Zimmer? Oh, I know him well. Yes, he was there this weekend. Okay, that's what I thought. Um, just in, mm-hmm. um, So I just did t- uh, a table read for him and I've been auditioning to do- be in a play yes, that he's doing. I saw that. I saw that. But um, he, like, I think with theater, it's like a different process of like, oh, yeah, we'll table read this yeah. and that. And to me, I'm like, honey, did I get the part or not? Like, let's get moving. <laughs> if, if we're doing this play... I need to start memorizing now, but he's like yeah. juggling between two and doesn't know what he's going to do. I'm like, oh, you're used to like actors who can he's memorize. So busy. Like I need, yeah. I need, I need to know because <laughs> it's so it's hard. It's like I a mean, big thing. But he, you I, know, is obviously a Golden Girls person. So oh yeah, he he wrote on the first season. Yeah. He was all over this weekend. He was definitely. I think he was very jealous that I was getting more attention. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> but I hope you get the part because I would love to come see you in that. It was fun. Um, the table read was with um, Kathy, who played Mimi and Drew Carey's show. And so uh-huh. that felt cool. Yeah. And I felt I was intimidated to be in a room of actors. Like I can act. I work really hard with my acting coach. But like, you know, it is different. You're in their space all of a sudden. And I was intimidated. But Isn't I, that hard? Like I did think I did a good job, but it was uh, it was cool and scary. And I was like, aw- I was very happy I got the chance to do it. So even if it ends in that, it's, the journey ends there. I'm happy to be have, have been a part of that. It's so weird to like, I totally get you because I, I started out acting. I thought that was going to be my thing. And then I realized I'm a bad actor and I'm, I'm just a personality. Like I, that's who I am. I know that. And so now when I do get into situations where I do have to act, I can do it, but it's like, it's just a version of me. And it's very uncomfortable when you're around people who are like actors who like know what they're doing and they know the process and they're very into it. All I want to do is say a joke about them being into it. Like that's literally all I want to do. Yeah. Like one of the actors was like, Oh yeah, I read this a few times and every time I read it and I was like, okay, I read it once to prepare and that's that. Like, Oh my God, do I not care enough? You know, (laughs) but then I did, uh, my eyes did get wet and I was like, okay, I'm doing it. I'm acting baby. (laughs) I was like, I'm fucking acting, but that's cool that you knew him. And then what did you dress as someone from the show? Was it like a specific reference? No, I'm, I don't really. I mean, yes, I do a reference on the first night to um, Blanche from the Golden Girls, obviously uh, uh, her wedding dress that or her funeral slash wedding dress, sort of a combination of the two. And then I revealed to address a performance outfit that she did in the last season at the Rusty Anka when she sang a song on the top of piano very badly. And so that sent everyone crazy in the audience because they weren't expecting that. And then the next day I went because I tend. OK, here's the thing. I don't like cosplay. I'm not a cosplay person. It's not, I don't, I don't get off on it. I don't know how to do it. I don't know how, again, I'm not an actor. I am me. And so I was like, okay, I need to do a golden girls look, but I don't want to do a reference to the show. I just want to do like a golden thing. And so I just literally just did a golden dress and I just was a full on massive golden girl. And it worked out really well because it was a lot of people were excited. So yeah, it, it was, it was good. How often would you do the same number? Do you ever retire a number or get tired of it? Obviously, or do you, oh wait, like how often are you switching it up? Stuff like that. I don't, I, I, I mean, I don't like to lip sync. (laughs) Um, I, I mean, unless I can like really edit it into like a smart comic like thing, you know what I mean? 
lip syncing is not my strong suit. I'm better on mic, obviously. That's who I am and that's what I do, which is why I love Bianca so much. You know, I, 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 uh, that's my kind of drag. And so I don't lip sync a lot, but when I do, it's often a one and done situation because I like to, I like to create a tight little comic piece into a lip sync, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Or like do something funny. For that moment in time. It always has to be, it always has to be funny. It always does. I mean, I don't think, there's no way I can ever sell a serious lip sync. I'm not that person. Like, that's not who I am. Like, I'm never going to get up there and do, you know, dream girls and I'm telling you. If anything, I'm going to do and I'm telling you and it's going to be like with a Domino's delivery man, you know, leaving me. Like, that's literally, that's the only way I could do a serious song is if pizza's involved. So would you, um, like, in terms of Drag Race, Sam, would you, like, the reading challenge, the roasts, like, those are the things that you would have loved to do? Because you mentioned season seven, what sucked for the girls is it kept being acting, and that's not what the cast was. Yeah. Like, are those the challenges you see, and you're like, oh, my God, I would fucking yeah. crush that shit? I mean, I think I would crush a lot of the yeah, things, okay. except for the dancing ones. <laughs> um, I, I do, I do, because one of the things that I've noticed is, like, the one thing that I am very good at, like I, I suck at a lot of things, most things actually I suck at. Um, but the one thing I am very good at, I suck at everything. <laughs> no, I do though. I do. I really do. I suck at so many things. No, like, you know Mateo Lane, right? And, yes, I know Mateo Lane very he, well. He told me, he goes, you're the funniest person I know, but the most wildly untalented human I've ever met. And uh, yeah, it's true. That's me. <laughs> That's why you and I have so much in common which is why the many times that i've been able to be in your presence irl but also just in general why we are the same is that we're very self-aware we know that we're not good at some things and that is okay yeah it doesn't mean that does not take away from our value i just suck at a lot of things and i get that i've been fired from most jobs <laughs> all right let's do a voicemail let's do a voicemail get your fucking wise ass okay. um inside okay between two enemies Hi, Lisa. Um, I'm a new fan, but a big fan. And I love what you're doing on that Smith stuff. And I love your new podcast, Enemies. Um, my cat's in the background. Sorry. He's yelling. <laughs> um, my cat is not my enemy. But um, my, my question is more so about um, being stuck in between two enemies and how to handle that as a friend. More specifically, I'm getting married and I chose two friends to be bridesmaids and in the time that I've asked them to be bridesmaids to now because my wedding is 30 days out um they are on not speaking terms they have huge issues with one another and one of my friends is actually probably backing out of my wedding because she can't be in the same room as someone um so how do you deal with this in terms of like loyalty and Let's just keep in mind that they both are highly flawed. No one's perfect here, so there's not even, like, a side to choose. Um, and it's really just a problem that doesn't even involve me. And I'm getting roped in and feel super uncomfortable. So if you have any thoughts or advice on how to handle enemies that are not your own, but you are stuck in the middle of them, and, you know, I still love these girls and support them, but there's there's some issues that they're having, and... I'm kind of just feeling like this whole friendship will totally unravel with potentially both of them in terms of me being friends with them at all, or if they even want to be my friends. So 
Thanks for your thoughts. Um, yeah, I'm actually going to be at your San Francisco show when you come with Kara. So can't wait to see you. Oh, that. that's Thanks sweet. So much, she sounds like a fun one. She sounds like a. She sounds like one that you would get drunk with at a bar in a really fun way. Yeah, I'm into her. Have you ever experienced this? Because both these girls, I hate your friends because it's like it's your wedding and they need to put their shit aside. Yeah, that's what I would say. I'm sorry, Anna, and this is this is what I, her name was Vanessa, right? I don't know. You're so good. I did not. I think. I think. I'm I blinded think I by the compliments that I didn't even. I think. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I heard it was Vanessa. I'm sorry if I'm that isn't the name. Um, but Vanessa, this is the thing. So I got the impression from you that you were like fun at the bar. You're a good friend. You have lot. You probably have lots of friends, and that's wonderful. But you also maybe need to grow a spine. And tell your two bitchy friends that they need to get over their own problems because it is not their day. This is not a Bridezilla comment either. This is just you being like, this isn't about you. On your day, I'll do what I need to do and save my own petty bullshit for my own petty problem in my own petty way. But on this day, you need to shut the fuck up and do what you need to do and like be civil. They need to be civil. Be an adult. Suck it up. You know how many times I deal with people like at 7-Eleven who are annoying as fuck? I'm not going to like change my 7-Eleven experience just because like these people are annoying as fuck. No, I'm going to get my hot dog and my Slurpee and I'm going to get the fuck out of 7-Eleven. I'm going to keep it civil. Well, also, are these really your friends if they're willing to not show up at your wedding for oh, their drama? They're your friends. They're your friends. They're your friends. Because okay. you, you, I mean, I have friends. I, I mean, maybe this is just a drag thing, but like. I have really complicated friends and I recognize that my friends are special. They have problems. They're weird people. I get it. That's why I love them. That's why they're in my life. And so, yeah, if she's cool, then her type of friends are going to be the ones <laughs> that are going to do this to her. But that said, you also need to be cool enough to be like, shut up, like chill out for me for one day. I'm obsessed with you. I need more of, I need you on my shoulder on most of my life. <laughs> Well, because I'm in this predicament, um, I and a really old close friend are no longer friends, and we will not be. Oh, but she is putting ultimatums, pressures, refusing to be in the same space, making saw and like mad at the people that are still my friend, and like uh, get getting people to not invite me to things, not showing up, making what she demands warnings. Like she yelled at one of our friends because we both came to a party, and she goes, "I needed a heads up that I was going to be there." And to me, it's just like I keep just being chill and to my friends being like, yeah, maybe it's awkward, but I'm down to be anywhere at all times. I want to be a part of your life. And that's that. And she is being so fucking immature and psychotic about it. And it bothers me. And it's like, I I don't know what to tell you, bitch. We're not going to be friends again. So, like, can you just stop? Like, I'm not bad. I mean, like, you're not bad. No one's bad. We do not. We're not friends anymore. But to put. To involve everyone else in these convoluted ways really bothers me. Do you, do the other people who are involved, are they aware that she's being, I'm assuming, it, I don't know, is it a she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's being kind of cray? Oh, yeah. No, they're very aware. And I think it's silly that everyone is bending to her whims and like giving her heads ups like, hey, by the way, like she's going to be at this party. Just wanted to let you know. It's like, I don't know. It's but it's not if they all want to keep playing this game with this person, that's fine. Um, I think it's fucked up that she's trying to take my friends away or put ultimatums on people. It's like, yeah, to me, I think that's fucked up. 
It sounds like you should avoid her because she's obviously a mess and a half. And there's nothing you can do to change what she's doing because people like that, you can't change. They're going to do what they do and you have no control over how they are. But you do have control over the people you can have rational communication with, meaning your friends that are placating her mess. Now, you don't want to make them feel bad for being friends with her because, like I just said, sometimes people have weird, complicated friends, exactly. and that's okay. I ain't, I ain't going to judge them for having weirdos as friends. That said, you can have a rational conversation being like, listen, I don't want to make this awkward for you, but I also like want to be your friend. So like, maybe don't do that. And just like be cool and I'll be a responsible adult at the party and maybe she won't, but maybe that'll show you that you should maybe evaluate who you invite to a party because she's clearly crazy and I'm here just drinking my Hawaii punch. And also what's bothering me about this situation is all of her close friends don't know. So they'll come and talk to me like yeah. we're all still friends. And I'm like, why are you not telling the people in your life that we are no longer friends? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's exactly I think she's embarrassed at the way she acted. But the way also like with the friends where you're like, do they know she's cray? It's like that was a big part of it. It's like we would sit and talk shit about this person and then go hang yeah. out with them. And it's like unfair to everyone. And it made my brain break because it's like I don't want to well, hang out with people that I only talk shit about. Like, that's not I don't well, want I'm that. being embarrassed by something you've done is like a real relatable thing that like so many people go through. I've been in that. boat. I mean, I don't embarrassed easily so i haven't been in it a lot but like it is a real thing that people can relate to and that 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 you know might be something that in terms of the communication that you have with like the friends that are like confused or she's not telling just be like it was a stupid thing it doesn't matter we've all been there and if they're rational people they'll get it yeah it was embarrassing okay that's why she's acting this way we know hopefully she'll cool down in a few months and now we know so maybe you can just be that friend while also being a little shady and then spreading the thing that she did that was embarrassing. <laughs> I have a friend who has a hairpiece. I know he's not a friend. He's someone I hate. And I love telling people he has a hairpiece. But it's like not harmful or anything. It's just he has a hairpiece. What do you mean a hairpiece? Oh, herpes. <laughs> no, hairpiece. Like he, it's a glued on hairpiece. Oh, the hairpiece is better than herpes. I mean... Maybe. At least Herpes says you did something fun. But also, uh, Trixie and Katya <laughs> talked about this on their podcast where it's like, why can't it be more accept like everyone wears wigs and then all of a sudden a toupee yeah. is a secret? Like, why can't you just let people know yeah. you're wearing yeah. a toupee? I never thought about yeah. it I that mean, way. I'm kind of feeding into that a little bit by everybody. <laughs> <laughs> but it's fun because I hate him. Wait, so, you know, we did get uh I just enjoy talking to you so much. And we talked about all these different things. Um, and it has been a while. Clearly I keep Spectrum you forever. does not like, no, you can keep me as long as you need growing. But, but I want to know <laughs> about your enemies, different fights. You were talking about like oh. getting fired a lot. <laughs> like just, um, yeah. I would love to just story time and just hear some like tales that you thought of to share. Well, my enemies started in high school with angel girl. There was this one girl who was literally called angel girl. Because she, I'm not going to go down, to, I, I probably shouldn't describe her fully, but she was, she looked like an angel. Let's just say that there was, she was very angelic in appearance. And she, she was one of those people who always had like a health problem. And then you go, they were always like, really, really? And Cause she was very vocal about it. You know, and I'm like, I'm vocal about my health problem. Talked about cancer, but like, it doesn't become a part of my idea 
identity necessarily. Like, it's not the thing that being like, be my friend, I had cancer. So she had a lot. No, she didn't have cancer, but she had a lot of like health problems that everyone, at least in my group, which were shady bitches, and we were all like, angel girl's sick again. And she just, it was just sort of like, she kind of became my enemy in a way, like my de facto enemy, because we would always be running against each other for things. And she would always get voted for things because she was like sickly. You know what I mean? And I would get voted for things because I was talented and funny. Wait, hold on. Question. (laughs) Was it a little hypochondria issues? It was. Okay. It was. I mean, I can't say for sure, obviously, but I'm going to say some Munchausen. If anyone had that many health problems over the span of, two years I, I, I would i would be surprised they survived okay. i'm just gonna say that um but i don't know but anyway uh this was like 20 years ago so who cares but um i care <laughs> so, I you care, care yes <laughs> but but so like it was she, she became sort of my enemy right like that was sort of like a, my mortal enemy then cut to like five years later right i'm i'm on facebook and what looking around thing and she's posting pictures about her modeling for Gucci. Now, I'm convinced it's a lie. I'm convinced she's not the person in the pictures that she's saying she is, right? Like, I'm convinced of this. But I have no way of proving this. I don't know how to look for, like, who the model was in some ad at Vanity Fair that I've seen. Like, no, I don't know these things. And But she's posting this. It's her. Cut to then... 10 years later, after that, I get with my boyfriend, Michael, who has an encyclopedic knowledge of fashion. He's a designer. He was on Project One Way. He knows things. And I, I tell him the story of my first enemy. You know what I mean? Like this, this girl who always had this sickly problems. And then she went on to become this famous model that I've never heard of anywhere, anywhere. Can't Google her. And he's like, no, that's not her. Because I showed her her. Like I showed, like I compared. And he's like, no, that's not her. That's so-and-so from the 2007 Gucci, whatever, or whatever it is. Like he just knows instantly that it's not her. And I felt so vindicated that my enemy was proven to be a liar. It made me feel so good. Did she look similar? I just don't know how you can lie and say this is me in this photo. I just don't understand. I will privately message you a comparison (laughs) because it is wild to me even to the point that the pictures i can't they were blurry i can't i'm gonna send you a full-on like diatribe of like examples of why this person is completely insane um and it made me feel really good that she also turned out to be a compulsive liar which which explains everything and then i have sympathy for her but also like i like liars too i like people who lie because they're fun and they keep things creative and like i don't if it's not hurting me go ahead lie i don't care but i'm also gonna have fun calling out your lie and okay so how do you do that i think one of my friends is like a liar 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 Mm -hmm. um how do you call out you just say like but you said that earlier you just fully call them you just gotta pull you gotta pull on like the full-on Barbara Walters and just like boom, 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 Diane Sawyer it. Like ask the questions. You know the questions you need to ask in order to get people to say the things that they need to say. That's what we do for a living. And it's like that's how that's how you do it. Or you just you trust that intuition inside of you that says, I call bullshit because no one calls bullshit better than a comic. And that's how I think that's how you know you are a comic, is when you can pinpoint on bullshit. And that instinct in us 
is real. So that's that's what you do. You ask the questions. You ask the bullshit questions. And you're totally right of keeping these lunatics around because I do yes. have some people where I'm like, I'll find out. And I'm like, that bitch did that again. What the fuck? Yeah. But then I'm not but cutting them out. <laughs> they're so fun. I love it. I have so many friends that I love to make fun of because there I have like a lot of there's a lot of drag people who I'm friends with, but I will also then openly send pictures of to other friends being like, can you believe this bitch? Like it's, it's so fun. And I think it's healthy too, because it keeps you grounded. Like it's healthy to hate a little bit because like, especially if you're within a certain, you know, close group of people that you can openly hate with and say horrible, hateful things about other people to each other, because at least then you get what each other's tastes are. You recognize your people. You immediately recognize your people. If you can hate, with other people those are your people and you know sort of like how you can communicate and you know that you don't really hate this person but like it's really fun to make fun of their eyebrows no i'm with you i'm um might be meeting some friends for drinks and a friend side texted me from the group chat going hey how do you feel about this person can we invite them and i said well we can't talk shit with this person can we freely yes can we be out of pocket and he yes. said Oh, damn. I wish I had the ability to realize that. Of course, this person shouldn't come out with us tonight. Yes. And they're a great person. Maybe a different yeah. night out or a dinner, but like not during, mm -hmm. not tonight. Tonight we're talking yeah. shit. And that is so key. I had that a couple, a couple months ago with some friends, some drag friends. I'll, again, I'll tell you offline because you'll get a kick out of one of them. Um, and we were talking shit about somebody and the person that was there with us, we thought we, this is where we just assumed they would be on board to talk shit. And that's always the problem. When you read someone incorrectly and you, you learn, oh, we can't talk shit with this person. This person is not one to talk out of pocket at all. Like this is someone you have to be careful of because that information will then seep back into things. And it kind of sucks because when you're out at like a restaurant, you're talking shit about someone like it's, it's fun. No, that might be the new title of the episode. If you can hate on people, those are your people. Those are your people. I really, it bothered, but do you, t and what are your thoughts on talking quote unquote shit about good friends within a friend group? Like one of your friends is annoying you. What are the boundaries there in your life? I do that too. I do that too. And I think, I think by doing it, you sort of subconsciously know that other people are doing it about you too. And I think that's what makes it healthy in that, if I can, in my friend group, go to another friend in that friend group and talk shit about the other friend in our friend group, knowing that that same friend will probably talk shit about me to this other friend, but I don't care because we're all so close that I don't, I completely trust this communication. I completely trust myself to talk shit about this other person with you because I feel safe with you, but I also know you're probably talking shit about me. And guess what? I'm kind of okay with that. Yes. Because because I'm gonna, annoying too. I'm annoying I'm too. Annoying. So, like, of yes. course you're gonna talk about me. Duh. Yes. And 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 but I want you to. Like, I like it. Like, please, like, make fun of me. Talk and make fun of me behind my back. Like, it makes to me, it makes me, it makes me feel like a healthier person. But also, this goes back to what we were saying about Drag Race earlier about the younger queens and that younger. I don't think younger people can handle people talking shit about them and because they, they see it as a reflection of who they are in a way, or like they're worried about being canceled or whatever the thing. And it's like, no, 
you're just annoying sometimes. And it's okay if people, and if people are talking shit about you, well, then guess what? They're talking about you, girl. Like, who cares? That means you're memorable. That means you're interesting. That means you're, you're, you're fun to be around because you do some things that are really fucking annoying. And like someone is so annoyed by it that they want to talk about, they want to put energy into talking about you. How cool is that? How cool I is love that? that. I, I love do it. a lot of comedy road trips, you know, especially early in my career or career when I had day jobs still and you're driving eight hours to do one gig um, with a group of, of friends. And all we did was talk shit about other people. And yeah. I was thinking, I'm like, if someone, if a group of comics are on an eight hour road trip and I am not talked about, like that would make, that would break my heart more than any exactly. horrible thing that anyone could say about Thank me. Thank you. <laughs> because it, I mean, it's so true. I think, I think of, I think of so many friends of mine who, you know, especially some friends who are who were on Drag Race, and I think about like, you know, them being kind of hated or whatever. And there's one in particular that I'm thinking of again. I won't say, but who was hated in some capacity, and and yet at the same time, she also recognized like, you know what? It's okay. It's okay for people to like say those things or like act in that way because we all kind of communicate in that way and. If that's what people are going to do, well, then, hey, they're talking about me. Well, one of my favorites and um, a hopeful guest one day is I, you know, I'm part of the camp where it was like, boo, Roxy Andrews, you're a bitch and you're a bully. Then, well, listen to how I learned this. And then, you know, you see the backstory of like being left at a bus stop by your mother. But then you see on All Stars, four people got sent (laughs) home because Roxy is such a good friend. And that is when Mm -hmm. I realized, I go, whatever that was, was something else. Because this bitch is the bestest friend I've ever seen in my life. Like, People could not send her home in tears, in tears going, I can't, you know, like, so I was like, oh, Roxy's a down bitch. Like Roxy must Mm -hmm. be one of the greatest people ever that her friends can't let her go. They can't let her go. She's, she's also just, I mean, I don't know her personally, but I know a lot of people who are really good friends with her and do know her personally. And I have never heard anything bad about her. They, I mean, yes, they recognize that she's, you know, she can be bitchy and all these things. But they also are like, she's literally the best. I mean, she's the best drag performer living in a lot of ways. Like she is of of the, if you had to rate the top 25 in the world of drag performers, Roxy Andrews is in. She is incredible. I saw her live before the pandemic or right before the pandemic happened. It was the last show, I, last drag show I saw. And she was performing at Showgirls. And it was the funniest moment because she walked out in her outfit. It was literally like, 30 seconds into her number, right? She walks on stage and literally without missing a beat, everyone in the audience just like held out their hands with money. It was like a sea of people just like, (laughs) just take my money. And her reaction was just like, what? Like it was, she was dumbfounded and she laughed because it was like, she hadn't even done anything. She literally hadn't even done anything. She hadn't even lip synced a song yet. And people were just handing her money. That's how great she is. What are, um, can you give us your expertise on what the fandom gets wrong about that show in terms of who's good, who's bad, who's a great performer, who's not? Like, I don't know if I would have known that she's one of the top 25 in the world. You know, like, are there like very obvious things people get wrong that you can kind of, or is this too broad of a wild question? No, no, that's not broad. I don't think it's broad. I, um, I think a lot of people get wrong that, they think there's like quotas for like what makes sort of like a season's winner. You know what I mean? Or they think that like, 
you know, oh, because of this or because of that, or because she said this, or she had this performance, like that means she's this. And it's like, they, they want to really sort of pigeonhole drag into like certain things based on the past few seasons of drag race, rather than like actually getting out into the real world and seeing a drag queen perform live and seeing how messy it can be and how wonderful it can be. And getting up close with what like a, a, a blocked out brows look like in person rather than on television or, or really feeling that sort of like sensation you get when a drag queen leaves the stage and walks towards you in a bar and touches your shoulder and takes your dollar and then leaves you because you aren't worth the time. You didn't tip more than a dollar. Um, and, and really experiencing how great drag can be in person and the power of drag. And I think the fan base is missing out by just watching the show. Now I get in a lot of places and what's so amazing about the show is that it brings drag to places that like people don't have drag, but they can make drag there. They can, they can exist and there's lots of ways of getting accessing drag. And I just wish people would access drag more. Like I wish people would, I, I know a lot of like bigger Queens because of what we do and because of Michael with his designing for a lot of drag Queens on drag race and stuff. And one of the things that like, I think every single drag queen who's ever been on drag race would agree with is that the drag race fandom definitely needs to respect local drag a lot more. If you can only name five drag queens and four of them have only been on drag race, like you have a problem. You need to go out into your local community, go into queer spaces and know at least three local drag queens in your community that you can name or other queens who haven't been on drag race. Just do the work. Yeah. See local drag. That it's not a competition. One of mine and yeah. a few comedians, a lot of comedians pet peeves is after a show of you were the best. You were my favorite. Yeah. You were funnier than yeah. this or that. And it's like, we're all friends and we're all different. Yeah. And we're having a good time. And mm -hmm. you are making a competition out of something that is not, you know what I mean? Exactly. And exactly. that's what I hope if people do go to local drag, that it's not like, well, she did that. And I saw her taper. Does that, you know, yeah. cause you're not Michelle Visage. Like you, you know, no. just enjoy a show. Well, but and and I bet that happens a lot in drag too. Oh God, you have no, you have no idea. I always thought it'd be funny. Uh, I, I keep thinking of this bit that I'm still working on when, cause people will say to me and yeah, I get it, it's a compliment of my drag. I get it. But like people will look at like my makeup or my performance and they'll be like, Oh, when am I going to see you on drag race or whatever? And they like, they love asking that question. And it's literally the only reality show in the world where strangers will tell you, Oh, you should be on this show. Do you like, I don't go up to people and be like, you should be on like, you know, my 600 pound life or like, you know, like you look, you look disgusting. You should be on Survivor. Like I would never do that to a stranger, but yet people do that to drag queens, and they, and and, and it is a way that they sort of like commodify them and they turn them into things that don't exist in the real world. And it's like, no, I am a queer person putting on all of this to put on a show that makes me feel good, and in the process, hopefully, you feel good about yourself in seeing me feel good about myself, and that's what drag is and it's it's so i'm still a human being here like i'm still a person in this body and it's uh yeah it's a strange disconnect people have with drag because they see them i think it's drag queens people consider a lot of times drag queens as just like walking clowns and it's like we are in a lot of ways totally but at the same time it's like you would never like go up to a clown and be like you know, you remind me of Roxy Andrews. <laughs> like, you, you, you would never do that. People say to me all the time that they, I get jinxed because of my red hair, only because of my red hair. 
which I love. I love Jinx to death. Don't get me wrong, but it's like, I'm nothing like James, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's just like they know one other girl. Someone's like, oh, you remind me of Sarah Silverman. It's like, we truly have different energies. and We're just Jewish. Yeah. Girl. Like, we're very different. You're just Jewish. Fully. Like, yeah, 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 people will totally just pick one thing and be like, you're like that person. It's like, actually, not at it all. It makes no, <laughs> no sense. sense. No sense at all. But, you, I mean, whatever. You've mentioned Survivor a couple times. So you are a Survivor I love Survivor. Person. Oh, my God. Me I as love well. Survivor. So what would oh be your game Oh, my God. I didn't plan? know that about you. I have a buff right there. I'm looking at it. Um, wow, I love this. I'm texting you so much now. What is um, your gameplay um, if you got on the island? Okay, so my gameplay if I got on the island immediately would be, I'm going to be funny. I'm going to go around and be personable. I'm going to make it very clear that I am not very good at like things or whatever. You know what I mean? Like I'm not good at physical things or building things, but I, I'm good at gathering. You tell me what to do and I will do it. And I will play along with that straight boy who wants to feel real good about being a leader and being strong and being straight. Oh, I feel good. And then when it comes time, I'm going to get my other folks who are doing the same strategy I'm doing and we're going to vote that bitch off and then we're going to go do our own game and we're going to eliminate all those strong motherfuckers because we realize we don't need strength we have each other. And in the end, when all the challenges are all physical and stuff, it's going to be a bunch of people who are also bad at physical challenges and it's going to be great TV. That's actually incredible. I had never heard that before. I, get everyone that sucks at the to the end yes. for physical challenges. How Genius. amazing would that be? How amazing to see like a bunch of schleps out there trying to like balance a thing. Ooh. Every challenge would last 20 seconds. It would be like, and literally it would be all what every survivor fan wants the gossiping and like the plotting and like all like literally our game wouldn't be the challenges it would just be everything back at like you know our little tents and everything being like yeah we're gonna get rid of her right yeah she sucks she keeps talking like people and people would try to get rid of me and i would do every and but also i am really good at finding things so i feel like i would find idols quite often because i have that like I think I just have that. And I find I don't lose things. I find things all the time. That is amazing. That's so smart. Yeah, you might have to like it might be hard for a couple days where you're not eating because, you know, you sent the strong guy who fishes or something. So there is a sacrifice to it. But in the end, it's better to have all of them gone. I see. And the thing biggest is, like, mistake even, people make not getting rid of the strong people. And thank you. Yes. And I. I mean, yes, I might be a fat fuck, but I am okay with not eating for a bit. Like, I can actually live on very bland food for a very long time. I, during chemo, lived on Insure because I couldn't keep anything down. Like, no food was staying down. So I just drank Insure for, like, a year. And I was fine. No, the lack of sleep with the rain without the food. I'm, um... It, affect, it would affect my personality. I feel sure. like I'm already training for it because I only get, like, five hours of sleep already. So, like, I feel like I'm already, like, prepared for survivor yeah and i agree with you what i would do i wouldn't want to be too friendly but i would definitely like not try to be in charge of everything and make everyone feel oh. so good about themselves wait how do you do that incredible yep. that's awesome mm -hmm. can you show me thanks so much yeah that's me that's you know that what you also do because people get off on having kids no offense to anyone listening to those kids but people love talking about how they're a parent blah 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 I would literally listen to every single, I would memorize every kid's name. I would talk about all their like sports activities as if I care about a little league thing. And like, I would, I would make them feel very special about doing the easiest thing possible, procreating. 
not easiest because it isn't easy for everybody. I'll admit that. But like, it is the easiest thing to talk about because it's like, you know, the easiest topic. And whereas I, what I really want to know is like, what do you think about like global warming or universal health? You like, can't. That would be complicated, but you can't. You can't go there because, you so know, you talk about kids. there's Republicans on that island and you cannot mm-hmm. open that up or that would be my biggest challenge being with a coach or a Philip and having them be like, oh, no, bah, 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 or the uh, the brawn, mm-hmm. the brawn or the blue collars. There was one group of guys. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sucked. The brawn versus. Yes. Yes. I remember that. Yeah. And to me, I, that would be the hardest to be like, you're right. Yeah, I could see, see that. Like, that would be tough for me. <laughs> I would do so well with them for two reasons. I grew up with all brothers, and they're all straight men, and they're all so boring. They're, they're the most boring men ever. I've ever, like, my brothers, no offense to my brothers. They, we all recognize that I am the more fun one, and they don't talk, and they're boring. And so, because of that, I feel like I've grown up understanding how to placate boring, straight white men into thinking they're special while at the same time shit-talking them behind their back and it never getting back to them. And I feel like that would be a great strategy for me. Also, I know how to make them feel good. And I know how to talk to people who I have differing opinions on. I did a whole story on, like, gay Trump supporters. And I was able to, like, communicate with them and understand them. So I feel like I could... I could do pretty well with like a coach. Um, and then one good thing, I, I could swim. I'm a good swimmer. Me too. So I think um, that would help me. Like I, like, I mean, we both have like, you're Russian, I'm German. We both have those like thick thighs <laughs> yes. situations. So like we would survive physically <laughs> yes. outdoors because our, our past has proven that we can't. No, Survivor's a a great television show and um yeah. window into humanity that a lot of shows it really don't is. have. Would you ever do it? Would you ever do yeah, it? Yeah, I sent in an audition tape this past year. I didn't hear back, but I'm just gonna keep doing it and sending it in. Cause even like Jim Johnson, Heisman trophy guy, had to apply three times, I heard. So yeah. I'm just gonna keep sending tapes until hopefully it works oh out. God. I don't know if I'd go far. I would love to me I wanna my favorite moment of the show is when the people get kicked off, but then they come looking hot as fuck to sit in the tribal and watch. Oh, and yeah. they're like showered oh, yeah. and clean. Like, oh, yeah. I would. Ju- oh, yeah. I, I want that. I want to. I be would there. wear <laughs> full body Spanx. Yeah. To tribal. <laughs> I would walk in being like, I look great. I got no long. I, would you actually like. See, I, I often think about what I would wear on the beach because I see all these people standing around in their underwear and I'm a Diane Keaton type. I like shawls. I like covering up. I have lots of layers oftentimes. So that's the only thing that I worry about on Survivor is that like I would have to be naked too much. I talked about that in my tape. I go, that is um, what would be really in- uh, scary to me is being like yeah. bra underwear on the beach, no make, like you'd have nothing to hide. Your eyebrows are growing and this is you. and. Ooh. Um, and America will watch like that is the most vulnerable thing that I can think of for sure. Mm -hmm. Which is why I feel like I have to go on drag race first and then survivor. So it can be like viewers on television could see a full spectrum of how disgusting I can be. Well, yeah. And to think we we forget they're shitting in the ocean and that's a big part (laughs) that we forget, like all this other stuff. But then at the end of the day, you are shitting in the ocean and it is, you're just out there, but I'm, I can lay all day. Um, yeah. Oh, I'm great at that. I'm great at that. I can listen. Yeah. And if we ever got on together, we would have to pretend we don't know each other for a while. Oh, we would pretend like we 
hated each Ooh, other. Even better. Okay. <laughs> like that. I mean, I, I have a friend who we both auditioned for Drag Race at the same time. Neither of us got on, but we often talked about like, okay, if we got on, would we actually hate each other? Would we hate each other? Let's hate each other. Let's have some fun. <laughs> Let's have some fun. What is your favorite Drag Race blowout? Oh, that's a great question. And it could be more than one if, you know, if you pop to your mind that are iconic or. I mean, yeah, I know. I know. I know exactly what it is. It, it was so much of a blowout. But my one, my one of my favorite queens of all time, the queen that I look to for everything inspiration is Delta Work. I love Delta Work on a level. I want this audio isolated and I want this center. I mean, we follow each other and I, I, I only message her messages of love and tenderness because I, I just want her to love me. But I, 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 I'm obsessed with her in the moment she was, it was the episode I think she got sent home on and she's wearing that dress where it's like the spray painted on body and stuff. And she's talking about, I forget the whole setup for the fight, but she's talking about like being eager to be liked by RuPaul and she's making fun of someone. So she's like pulling on thing being like, pick me, pick me, pick me. And it is the funniest. I can't tell you how often I do that in my life. That quote, that line. I I'm just... going to watch it immediately when we stop talking because I have no idea what you're talking about, but I know Delta work and I cannot wait to watch this. It was, it was from a um, untucked from her season. And it is, it is, I, just Delta work in general is the, is just the most iconic queen in the world. I love her to death. I she's the definition of the best queen and local queen and her hand, her hand movements. If you ever notice in her lives or in her like videos on Instagram or whatever, she has these like things where she'll do this. She'll talk with her hands because she has nails on, of course, and she's doing all nail work and everything. And she'll hand, she'll, she'll position her hands in a way where she's like, situated like a mannequin and her hands won't move but she'll be like if you would like a cameo for a birthday a special occasion an appearance someday just request me delta work and she won't move her hands and i'm obsessed it is like i'm obsessed with her wow. i can't you have to look. I'm going to send you so many examples. Well, I, I just so love the nuance you. of this. And it just like reiterates the point that we started this whole chat with just, you know, of we are fans of a show. We don't know what drag is. And so these things that yeah. I just would never notice, I, you know, I yeah. would not oh. see that. Delta work to me is the definition of drag excellence, of local drag, of the the where drag was and where i think drag still is in a lot of ways but people don't see because they're blinded by like showiness of youth and lights and thinness and all of it and to me delta work is drag yes. she just is drag to me you know like i look to her to drag yeah i feel another way i'm really a basic viewer is like to me i'm always in more into the lip sync with the the kicks the flips oh, the acro yeah. like i love the brooklyn heights evie oddly um sorry not so yeah. like, that's like my favorite and then when i'll watch the pit stop and they'll be like no that person won actually not the kicking and flipping and i'm like oh there's yeah. more to it but i am basic in that way i'm like just i love a i love um oh wow uh, why Chichi Duvain with Call Me, the Blondie, oh all the backflips and the splits. Like, well, and I just that I love it. I love it. The one of the best lip syncs ever on Drag Race history is yes. Chichi doing, um, and I'm telling you yes. from Dream Girls with Thorgy 
Thorgy looking like a circus performer. And I love Thorgy. Thorgy doing but... like a desperate like cartwheel at the end is like something I like I learned a lot of it's... lessons in that moment. Like, honey, <laughs> a cartwheel's not gonna win this right now. Like, stop. Exactly. <laughs> stop. And I love and I love her for it because it was just so like, you know, like to me, when you get the note from if I was Thorgy, right, in that situation, and I know I'm going up against Chichi Dubain, and here is this beautiful southern queen who has listened to this song on a level that i will never understand because i did not walk in the cultural footsteps that she has walked in her life i don't understand the depth of the soul that this song could be because i am a pitiful white person and i get that i recognize that i know that my people are kelly clarkson and that is where i excel and and i do not excel at I, and I'm telling you. And so I would immediately be like, okay, I'm going home. This is me going home tonight. I go home and there's nothing I can do to change that. And so I would just go up there. I would do my best. And I would basically just watch Chichi Devane do what she does. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's, that's what you have to do. Cause it's just like, there's no way I'm going to win on that song. There's no way. There's no way. It would be like if I, another great one, another great one was Monet and, um, and, uh, oh God, I forget her name now. Ooh, she put dots on her face. What's oh, her name? um, Billy trash, Billy knees, like something funny. Longhorn. Yeah. What was the name? Tommy bottoms mm. bottoms. There's bottoms in it. I don't, it was I, I I I don't think that's it, but I definitely I'm <laughs> I'm completely I'm completely blanking. But regardless, regardless her name, yeah. it was a it was it was a Nicki Minaj song. But 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 Dots brought it. Uh, Dots did bring a valiant no. effort. No no okay. no 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 no. She brought no she brought full on like electrocuted circus performance. Yeah. It was like it was like like the moment where it was like thing. I. It was like I watched like white people across the world be like, oh, I shouldn't do that song. Like, yeah. it's like every queen who had done that song in the past, white queen recognized, no, I shouldn't. That's not that we don't understand that song. And that's OK. That is OK. We don't have to. It's just it was so funny to watch because it was just so hilariously bad. And that's when Monet like <laughs> pretended to jump, but then was like, oh, no. Like it was yes. that one. Yeah. It's, and it, it's such and a good it was like, it was the brilliance of recognizing. And I think the other queen, and I'm so sorry that I'm blanking on her name, but I, I think the other queen was doing a valiant effort trying to, she recognized the comedy in the, you know what I mean? She did, but it came off looking um, lampoonish and not in a funny way, not in a good way. Whereas like Monet recognized, like also recognized the comedy in the song, but then put, an attitude into it that a white queen could never really do, I don't think. And and it read because the song, the attitude of the song and the attitude of Monet and the brilliance of Monet, because she is brilliant, um, was able to sell that. And I just don't think that, and nor is it a bad thing. I don't think that, you know, and I'm generalizing here, but I don't Dusty think Dusty Ray Bottom, queen, right? Dusty Ray Bottom, thank you. Yes, that's it. Um, I, d I don't think that a white queen can sell that song in that way, unless she's sampling it in a weird way or something. It's just not, it's just not a song that I would ever, I would never be able to do because I know I would suck. It would be laughable. It would be pitiful if I did that. <laughs> yeah. All right, we're going to do one more voicemail. 
Okay. If that's okay. Whiny coworker is what it is called. Oh, love that. Hi, Lisa. I love you. I love the podcast. Um, I need some advice on a coworker of mine who I actually believe I would be really good friends with if she would stop complaining for one fucking second of her life about anything. Um, it just seems like every time I talk to her, she has something to complain about, something related to work, outside of work. She is a very dramatic person. She's always exaggerating any situation she's talking to me about, and she's always complaining. And I just don't know how to respond to that. I don't know, you know, if I sympathize with her. It doesn't seem to matter what I do. If I do sympathize with her or if I, like, try to give her advice or try to make the situation better, it just, she's always complaining. She doesn't stop complaining. We have things in common. Like, I think if we hung out, we would be good friends, but she will not stop complaining and then is driving me insane. And I just don't know how to respond to that. I guess she's just going to have to be a person that I don't talk with a lot because this is something that really bothers me about her and I don't know if I address it with her or if I just kind of like, you know, do my job and not really fuck with her. So if you or your guests have any advice, that would be great. Thank you. Oh, H. Allen has a lot to say. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I don't believe she said her name, but... You know, what was her name? Uh, whiny Coworker? Yeah. 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 Whiny Coworker, which she is not. The caller is not. Um, what she needs to do. Now, see, the thing is, she's really pressed about this person who isn't even a friend. Like, this person is just a coworker, just someone who she wants to be friends with. So clearly, she sees potential in this person. This person has a personality that she thinks meshes with her potentially to be friends with. So clearly, she's so upset that this person whines a lot. I think. You got to join the party, girl, or you got to turn this person into a show friend, meaning you take the antics that this person does to you at work and then you turn it into the story you tell your friends later, meaning that this person becomes the you'll never believe what she said today. And then you just you just you you use I mean, yes, you use her for her <laughs> stories. You use her for your entertainment because what this friend will do is she will make you even cooler and more entertaining, not to say that you're not entertaining already, but that she'll make you more entertaining because you have a really cool person to also then make fun of and complain about to your other friends. This is the perfect example of an enemy that you keep close because they are so rich with content in your life. Yeah, not be pressed. I feel like that's kind of the genius of everything you've been saying today is like, Focus on what you care about or not. And then you, yeah, just be entertained by these people and go to bed and don't think about it again. Yeah, because she she adds value to your life because clearly you want to engage with her or else you wouldn't be engaged. I mean, for example, my family. My family love to complain about shit nonstop all the time. And I like to complain about shit too. I often do. But whenever I go home, it's like, a because I, you know, I go home maybe twice a year and it's like, they're just, it's a parade of complaints of problems that they have because I feel like they've saved up all of their problems to tell me about in this one visit. So they have to just unload it all over the course of the three days that I'm there. And at the end of the three days, I find myself being like, did anything good happen? Is anyone healthy? Did you watch a good movie? Anyone like a song? Like, is there nothing good? 
dimension because it's always like i've got this health problem and then this person did me wrong and i don't have this much money non-stop i take what they tell me and then i come home and i write jokes and it's like again i'm 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 using this sort of these people in my life to sort of pull material from in a lot of ways but also like to make me more entertaining and it does add value to my life so use her use her for a good story Use her. And if she's that annoying, yeah, maybe talk to her less. Or I was thinking, give her like a nickname, be like, oh, okay, Miss Complainy Pants or something like that, where or, she knows it's coming. Or do what like Carol did to Luann in like season five of Real Housewives of New York, um, where Lou, I think it was season five or six, I forget. But Luann was like, she'd always, so Carol would say something and Luann would always have something like bigger to say. You know what I mean? Like Luann will be like, or Carol will be like, I was such and such and then Luann will say oh yeah well I I was president of such and such you know she'd always do one thing so then Carol started being like a one-upping her when she got one up basically so that's what you do with your friend who basically like when they complain about some man who didn't call her back your response needs to be oh yeah well I had a man stab me <laughs> <laughs> yeah one-up her complaining <laughs> And just like completely lie about shit, but like just one up her with the exact same story. Sean Hollenbach in New York had a great joke. I, you don't know if you know him, but he's he was he, he doesn't do stand up anymore, I don't think. But he had a great joke about a coworker who always like would complain to him and one up him in anything, right? And I'm gonna completely butcher his joke, but he talked about his his mom passing like around. 9-11 not in the towers or anything but like around 9-11 and and the co-worker says to him you know oh yeah i can relate on 9-11 my my cd tower fell over <laughs> it's so <laughs> stupid but it's, it's such like a false negative like it doesn't like it shouldn't it shouldn't be they shouldn't relate but they do and it's one upper Make fun of her. Yeah, she doesn't know. Fucking make fun. Because I my, I don't know how to describe it, but I guess I do. I'm a complainer, but I'm a very grateful person and usually pretty happy-go-lucky, yeah. but I do complain nonstop always, but I wouldn't have Same. it any other way. So yeah. I empathize with, like, I hope I'm not annoying people that I'm like, ugh, but... I do complain all the time, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. but I'm grateful yeah. to be alive, but I am a complainer, but I think make fun of her, use her. Yeah. Don't be pressed. Don't be don't pressed. Be pressed. Ain't no, ain't got not room for me. Be pressed about real things like taxes and shit. Taxes and shit. Yes. Yeah. There ain't nothing else to be pressed about. Like, I don't get it. I, you might I be our first it. regular guest. I need you back on this show. I, I am free yeah, anytime you want. I think your insight is it's freeing advice that makes life more silly and good. And you know what I mean? And I like I mean, that. Well, but I also think you bring that into the world as well. You kind you you harbor these relationships with people that are like-minded but different from you. And you have these conversations. And that's why I jumped at as soon as I saw the podcast, I was like, OMG, we need to do this. Yes. Like, this needs to be a moment because this is like our two personalities coming together in the most beautiful of ways. And I love it so much because I love to complain, too. But I also think you're just a genius at sort of like understanding how to harbor that energy. That is very kind. But also, I am guilty of not supporting my local drag community. So I need to start going to more shows. 
and I, I want to go so badly. I like cannot wait. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. There are so many good ones. Let's go. Um, tell people about the podcast, like where to find you and all the ways that you'd like to be found. Oh, you can find me on Reddit. No, you can find me uh, at H. Allen Scott on everything and at Sadie Pines on everything. And I don't know. I'm everywhere. I got a podcast. You're making it worse. Whatever. And Google me. You know, I don't care. I hate promoting myself. See, was it fun? It was fun. I know you had fun. Um, So thanks for listening to that. Don't forget to call an email with all of your problems. I'll be back soon to record episodes with good advice and people and fights. And oh my God, I can't believe I'm going to be back in the world soon. Um, And then a new enemy is my own anxiety. I have to go check if I, why does America require a COVID test to get in it? It's like we spread it more than anything. There are no rules. We don't give a shit. We let everyone die. But yet we all have to go get 24 hour negative COVID tests to get into the country. Like, fuck you. Fuck you. You don't care. Okay. Stop pretending you care. You're just making everyone's lives more difficult. And I see you. Um, thanks always for listening and loving. And I appreciate everyone so much. Love being here at Headgum. All right. Bye. Enemies is a Headgum podcast. Trish Hadley is our executive producer, engineer, and editor. Katie Moose is our supervising producer from HeadGum. Me, Lisa Traeger, I am also a producer. Hello. Thank you so much, Carly Jean Andrews, for the cover art. You're incredible. Jack Krause, thank you for the theme music. I love it. Please follow me on Instagram at either at GlitterCheese or at Enemies Podcast. Tell us about your own enemies by emailing enemiesthepodcast at gmail.com or calling 323-677-1943. That was a HeadGum Podcast.